right, Psalm 92, if you have your Bible, Psalm 92. I don't know if you heard about the three men who were traveling together. It was a Hindu priest, a Jewish rabbi, and a Christian church preacher, but uh, they were getting to the point where sun was going down and they needed a place to stay, so they pulled over to a farmhouse in the, uh, on the side of the road, and the farmer said, I don't have room for all three of you. I have room for two of you. One of you is going to have to stay in the barn. And the Hindu priest said, I'll, I'll stay in the barn. But he, he went out there. About three minutes later, there was a knock on the door. He said, I can't stay out here. There's a cow in the barn. And in my faith, cows are sacred. I can't stay out there with the cow. And the Jewish rabbi said, that, that's not a problem. I'll stay out in the barn. But about three minutes later, there was a knock on the door. He said, I, I can't be out there. There's a pig in the barn. And that wouldn't be kosher for me to stay out there with the pig. And so the Christian church preacher went out to the barn. And about three minutes later, there was a knock on the door. And there was the cow and the pig. Couldn't stand to spend the night in the room with a Christian church preacher. Well, I'm glad that you're taking the risk here this morning. The Bible says this, blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And I want to make you a promise this morning. As we start a new series and go forward in the next few weeks, I want to make you a promise as if you put it into practice what we go through in the Word of God in the next few weeks, it will change your spiritual life. And that is not a promise from me. That is a promise from God's Word. What you're about to hear, if you hear the Word of God and put it into practice, you will be blessed. So you're going to hear some things you've never heard a preacher say before. You're, and I was, I was re, uh, doing some research, and I ran into an article that said, things you never hear in church. And there was about 20 things in this article, things you never hear in church. But I, I want to give you the top three that I thought were the top three. Number one, you never hear, hey, it's my turn to sit in the front row. <laughs> never hear that. Never hear people fight, hey, it's my turn to sit in the front row. Number two, preacher, I was so enthralled by your sermon, I didn't even notice it went 30 minutes over. Never heard that either. And number three, preacher, we want to send you to a Bible conference in Hawaii, all expenses paid. But you know, we don't have to be like other churches, and so I want to talk about that this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're going to hear some things in today's message and in this series that you've probably have never heard in church before, starting with the series title, Stop Going to Church. You ever heard a preacher say that? Stop going to church. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, stop going to church. I've, I've allowed you to say that in church. Church has become a place that we go to. Well, where do we go to? Here's, here's two, two things that we go to. We go to events and we go to places. You go to the grocery store, you go to ball games, you go to concerts, you go to the rodeo, you go to Wingstop, I hope. If you're a Christian, you go to Wingstop. And both of these events and places, it implies two things. When you go to an event, it implies that you are the audience and we are the show. And that's a problem. Or it implies that you are the consumer and we are the provider. Have you heard that language when people talk about the church? Maybe one of the reasons the church in North America is not having the impact that God wants her to have is because we have turned a, the church into a place that we go to where we are the audience and we are the show. And that's a problem for both, by the way. That's a problem for us, and that's a problem for you. 
or it turns into a place where you are the consumer. I hope you give me what I'm supposed to give. I hope you give me what I want, or I'm going to go find another place, another uh, another grocery store, another church, another place that provides the goods. And that is a spiritual problem on both ends. The church was never meant to be an event. If you know your New Testament, you know this. It was never meant to be an event. It was never meant to be a place that was built with human hands. It was meant to be a movement, a movement that changes, a movement that impacts, a movement that grows, a movement that's flexible, a movement that makes a difference in her community. And events can't do that. Places can't do that. Only the movement of God can do that. If we want to make a difference, church cannot be an event. Church cannot be a place. It cannot be a place that you go to. And so stop going to church. God's highest calling for you was never to go to church. God's highest calling for you was to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So our base text is Psalm 92, beginning with verse 12 and 13. The righteous will what? Flourish. Flourish. Remember that word. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. The righteous will flourish. Flourish is, that's not a word we use every day. Nobody comes up to me this morning and say, uh, how are you doing, Nathan? And I say, I'm flourishing. I mean, do that once to somebody and see what their face looks like. Okay, talk to the wrong person this morning. Or if you're a guy, go to the gym. If you go to the gym and somebody, some other guy just got down with his bench press and go up to him and say, hey, dude, you are flourishing. <laughs> and see how that goes. <laughs> not going to go well. <laughs> the word flourish is not a word that we use anymore, but it is a word that means thriving, growing, engaging, going up and to the right. We are thriving spiritually. The righteous will flourish. Like what? Like two different trees, a palm tree and a cedar. A palm tree in the Old Testament was known as a symbol of victory. Whenever in the Corinthian Olympic Games, never somebody would win, they wouldn't give them a gold medal. Back then, they would give them a palm branch. Whenever Jesus was on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, his last week alive, do you remember when he came in on a donkey, what they were waving on the side of the road? They were waving palm branches, his triumphal entry. It's a signal of victory. And a cedar is a symbol of durability. When Solomon was building his Old Testament temple, he built the columns, the posts, the roof with cedar. It was meant to last for a long time. It was meant to endure. It was meant to have longevity. It was meant to be durable. Both the palm tree and the cedar tree are evergreens. They last all year long. They don't take seasons off. I am flourishing, I am thriving, I am growing. There's durability to my faith and there's victory in my faith. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Who flourishes? Those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord. Those who plant themselves, not those who go to, not those who attend, not those who occasionally pop in those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord. I want to encourage you today to never go to church again. I want to encourage you to plant yourself in the house of the Lord. Amen? 
Those who plant themselves, they are the ones who are thriving. Those are the ones who are engaging. Those are the ones who are going up and to the right. They are the ones who are excited. Those are the ones who are, who are spiritually engaged. Those are the ones who are on fire. Those are the ones who are conformed into the image of Christ. Not those who go to, but those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord. And I love what the next verse says, what happens to them. Verse 14, they will still bear fruit in old age. Has old age come to anybody yet in here? Nobody in our church. Nobody in our church has old age come to. They will still stay fresh and green. Is that a cosmetic promise? Does that mean you will never wrinkle? Your hair will never go gray? Now, here's what's interesting. Okay, okay. If that's what the promise was, probably more people in America would latch on to it. Just how petty we are. <laughs> but if the bar needs painting, then you need to paint it. But anyway, that's another story. It's not a cosmetic promise. It's a better, <laughs> it's a better promise. It means this. It means you will never wear out spiritually. You will never wear out, you will never burn out, you will never light out. You will continue to engage and thrive and grow in the Lord. You will thrive in your walk with Christ. You know the New Testament says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Though outwardly it may not be fresh and green, the Bible says inwardly you are flourishing. Who flourishes? Those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord. You know what I've noticed? Most Christians that I run across would not use the word flourish to describe their spiritual state. Most would use words like these. I wrote some down. They would say spiritually dry. They would say stagnant. They would say confused. They would say wounded. They would say withering, barren, uninterested, disengaged, going backwards, or a a term that we used to use in the church, backsliding. Those are the words to describe people who don't go to church. And those are the words to describe people who go to church. But those are not the words to describe people who are planted in the church. Can you see the difference? Who flourishes? Those who plant themselves in the house of God. So in Psalm 92, we have the analogy that I am a seed. My life is a seed. Everybody say, my life is a seed. I want to give you four truths about seeds. Number one is this, a seed only grows if it's planted. A seed has tremendous potential, but it never reaches its potential until it's put in the soil. A seed that lays on top of the soil is dormant, and it doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce any fruit. It doesn't bless anybody. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't grow. It doesn't thrive. A seed sitting on top of the soil is nothing until it's planted. And once it's planted, it has the power to affect, because of its fruit, to affect generations to come, to bless for generations to come, to thrive for generations to come, to make a difference for generations to come. But it can't do that until it is planted. Those who flourish are those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord. Matthew 13, Jesus gives an analogy about a seed. The farmer's throwing out some seeds, and he says, Some seed falls on top of the soil, and because it never penetrated the soil, the birds come and they eat the seed. Other seeds actually get down a little bit into the soil, but it's just shallow soil, so that when a drought comes, the sun is hot and it withers away. It burns up the seed and it can't produce its fruit. 
And Jesus says another seed actually gets down into the soil, but it's into thorny soil. The worries of this life, all of the worries and pains of this life choke out its ability to reach its potential, and so it diminishes as well. But there is one seed that goes into good soil, and it ends up producing fruit 30, 60, 100 times full, and it blesses people for generations. But it's only one seed that reaches its potential, the seed that is planted deep down into the soil. Catch the imagery. All the seeds had potential, but only one seed reached its potential, the one that was planted. Number two, going to church is not the same as being planted. Going to church is not the same as being planted. You know, Jeff Foxworthy, the great theologian, once had a a top 10 list of signs you might be a redneck. Has anybody heard those? Have you ever felt like a redneck after? Yeah, okay. But I got five signs you might be just going to church. Five signs you might just be going to church. Number one, you don't know the name of your church. (laughs) And you laugh. But have you seen this? Have you heard? I'm I'm telling you right now, half the time I ask somebody, where do you, because I ask, uh, do you go to church? They say, yes. I say, what's the name of your church? I dare you, follow it up with that. What's the name of your church? Uh, I don't know. There's your sign you might just be going to and you're not planted. Number two, Sunday church is a weekly decision for you and your family. You have to make the decision every weekend. Are we going this weekend or are we not? Is there something else on the calendar? Is there something else we could be doing? If There, there might be something else. And so if, the, if it's a weekly decision, and by the way, the day you gave your life to Christ, the decision should have been made for the rest of your life. It should have been a one-time decision, and it should have lasted for the rest of your life here. Number three, a sign that you just go to church is you are not helping the church. And in our case, you're not on a team, maybe. But in some way, you're not helping. You have decided to stay on the fringe. You're not going to participate. You're not going to serve. You don't... uh, We are a head, heart, hands church, and it's never gotten to your hands, and that is a sign that you're just going to. Number four, you try your best to avoid introductions or conversations. You ever run into that? Boy, somehow that person got around me again, and I stand at that door. (laughs) You have to work hard to avoid talking to me. Some manage. But if you're always, you don't want to enter into a relationship, you don't want to engage in a conversation, that might be a sign. And finally, number five, here we go. Here comes the booze. You always arrive late and leave quickly. Uh Uh-oh, now we just messed up the sermon, right? (laughs) But when you're planted, there is no decision. I I heard about a a mother who walked into her son's room, and and she said, it's time to get up, son. It's time to go to church. He said, I want to go to church. She said, why? He said, I got two reasons. Nobody there likes me, and I don't like anybody there. And she said, you ought to go to church. He said, why? She said, I got two reasons. You're 59 years old, and you're the preacher of that church. You need to go to church. (laughs) Well, I want you to know this. And you need to know this. We never in our family decide if we're going to church. We never make that decision on Saturday. What do you think? You know, there's that one restaurant that we've been wanting to try out for breakfast. Maybe we'll just do that this Sunday. And you know why I know that we don't make that decision anymore, that it's already set in stone? Because our kids never ask, are we going to church this Sunday? They already know. At their young age, they've already picked up on the fact that Sunday is church day. Lock it in for the rest of our life, or at least until they live in our household. Sunday is church day. 
Same as we never ask in our house, are we going to eat today? Yes, we're going to eat today. That fasting part of the Bible, we just ignore. <laughs> in the bowl. Well, sometimes we fast, but we're not going to talk about that. But we're going to eat. The bolts, we do that well. We eat. We don't think about it. It is who we are. Are we going to breathe ox oxygen today, Daddy? Yes, we're going. We don't think about that. It, it, it's never, you know what? I've had a rough week. I've had a long week. We're just going to skip oxygen this Sunday. I just need some rest right now. We're just going to skip oxygen. No, it is something we do. It is something we are. We just naturally breathe oxygen, same as church. We don't decide to go to. The church is who we are. We've grabbed on to the mission of the church. It is who we have become. The righteous will flourish. They will thrive. They will engage. They will grow. Those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord. When you read your Bible and you come across the New Testament word church, it is this Greek word right here, ekklesia. Ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia. The word literally means gathering, assembling, called out ones. Gathering, assembling, called out ones. And sometimes people say, Nathan, you know what? I don't think I'm going to plant myself in a church. I'm just going to listen online. I'm just going to listen to sermon podcasts. And sermon podcasts are good. I listen to sermon podcasts. I probably listen to seven to ten sermons a week online. Those, those are good. But sometimes people ask, I think I'm just going to do that. That's the same as going to church. Or, or, or that's the same as planting yourself in a church. And let, let me tell you why that's not true. Let me tell you why you need to be here. Or you need to be at one of the great churches. And there's a lot of great churches in the area. Amen? And, and we're rooting. We root for any church that says Jesus is Lord. Well, let me tell you why that is what you need to do. You can listen to sermon podcasts too. But the difference is this. As I teach my kids, and Chelsea teaches our kids behaviors and life lessons, what's the best way to teach them? Through a voice message or while they're living in our house? They're going to catch on to behaviors. They're going to catch on to conversation. They're going to catch on to our spirit. They're going to catch on to attitudes. They're going to catch on to habits while they're planted in our house. I can't teach them life through a voice message. I can tell them some good things from now and, now and then. But the way they're going to be greatly impacted is through living life in our house. And as a father who loves our children, I love it when our family is gathered together. I'm always a little on edge when we're all scattered. I love it when we all come back together and we are assembled as a family. So I'm going to give you two, two situations, person A and person B. Here's, here's person A. This person right here pops into church. It could be Venture. It could be another church. This person pops into church, and they, they hear the singing. They hear the preaching. They're moved. Communion time, devotion time, scripture time. Somebody hugs them and shakes their hand, and, and they've been disconnected. Something that morning grabs their heart, and the Holy Spirit is wooing their heart, and, and the Holy Spirit's telling Jesus is Lord, and they eventually give their life to Jesus. Their entire life is changed, and this person starts coming to church, but they never engage they stay on the fringes. They never get involved. They always come in a little bit late and leave a little bit early. They never really connect. They never really plant. They avoid conversations. They get out as fast as they can. They never catch the mission of the church. Let me just tell you, fast forward three years. Do you know where that person is? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> well, that's possible. They're in church about once a month or every Easter and Christmas. Almost every time. I've watched it long enough. They've lost their spark. 
They've lost the fire. The spark was never allowed to grow. It was never allowed to connect to something else. But here's person B. They pop into church and the message grabs and the Holy Spirit moves them and they say, Jesus is Lord. They walk out and say, that was incredible. Jesus was talking to me today. And so they get on their, on their knees and they give their life to Jesus Christ. And then they decide what God has done for me. I want that to happen for others. And so I'm going to catch the mission of the church. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to engage. I'm going to get on a team. I'm going to help. I'm going to, I'm going to go home and pray for the person who, who I saw was sick or is hurting or in the hospital, whatever it, whatever it may be, and they plant themselves in a church. And now for that person, when the storms of life come, and they will, when life gets hard, and it does, when the finances are short, and they happen, that happens for most of us at some point, when the storm comes, they are not bothered, they are not knocked over, they are able to stand firm because they are planted in the house of the Lord. That's the difference. There's a big difference between going to and being planted. Number three, when you're planted, your roots grow deep. When a drought comes, which plants survive? The seeds that are planted shallow or the seeds that are planted deep? The depth of your roots determine your durability. Anybody ever seen the redwood trees in California? I'm just curious. Anybody seen the redwood trees or sequoia? Okay, we have several in here. I'm the only one who hasn't. Wonderful. Well, that can be the trip for your preacher, okay? But the redwood trees are amazing. They grow as high as 350 feet. They grow as long as about 30 feet. Ronnie, how, how wide is this room? Is it 30? A little better. So not quite this, the, the diameter of a tree trunk probably to that curtain to that wall. That's amazing. Yeah, cars drive through these redwood trees. They live to be as long as 2,000 years old. Some of the trees in California right now were here when Jesus was walking the earth. But here's what's interesting about redwood trees. As big as they are and as durable as they are, you never see a redwood tree by itself. You never just, oh, there's one redwood tree all of a sudden. As, as, as tall as they go and as strong as they are, the secret of the redwood tree is what lies beneath the soil. The secret of the redwood tree is something that we cannot see. Their roots go 150 feet deep and 100 feet wide. And what happens is those roots are going that way and they're going that way, but there's another redwood tree over there and its roots are coming over here and this redwood tree's roots are coming over here and eventually their roots intertwine and whenever the storms come, whenever the hurricane comes, whenever the winds come, their roots are held together. They are literally holding each other up underneath the soil. That is the picture of the church. God knew that we needed this. If we didn't need it, he would have just gave us a Bible and the Holy Spirit, and he says, good luck, go get them. Good luck in isolation. Good luck putting yourself in the corner and never talking to anybody. No, he says, we need the root system. We need to be intertwined. We need to hold each other up. The beautiful picture of the church is that when life gets hard, we pick each other up, and nothing can knock us down because of the strength that we have underneath the soil. Somebody asked, what's the secret of your faith? And you can point to the church. I don't think Satan minds if you go to church. I really don't. He's good with that, as long as you don't plant yourself in the church. Who else would tell you don't plant yourself in a church other than the evil one? Who else would want you to think it's, just, it's fine just to go to 
and not to plant yourself. 1 Peter 5.8 says this about our evil, uh, the evil one. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a what? Roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who does a lion go after? The isolated one. When a lion sees the pack, he doesn't mess with the pack. He messes with the straggler behind who's all by himself because he's isolated. He's vulnerable. We need the family of God. I need you, and you need me. Number four, finally, plants with deep roots bear fruit. Jeremiah 17 puts it beautifully, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a, this is amazing imagery, a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Those who are planted are the ones who bear fruit. What kind of fruit? What's fruit? Galatians 5, Paul tells us, nine fruit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is, and everybody say this out loud with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's how you know if you have them, not when things are good, but when things are bad. When life has gotten hard, when life has punched you in the gut, you still love, you're still kind, you're still patient, you're still joyful. Oh. That's when the world stops and says, what, what in the world? You mean you're dealing with this and you're still kind, you're still joyful? And by the way, there's a passage in James chapter 1 that puts it this way. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whoa, 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 whoa. Who does that? I'll tell you who does it, those who are planted. That's who does that. That doesn't make any sense to anybody who's not planted. Consider it pure joy. I didn't lose my joy because you're planted. You can still keep your joy when you face trials of many kinds. God's highest calling for you is not to go to church. God's highest calling for you is to be conformed into the image of Christ. So how can you plant yourself as we close? How, how can you plant yourself? How can you do that? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Here's one way. We're going to go through a series of this. Since the beginning of Venture Christian Church, every Bible study, every formation meeting at the beginning, and, and still today in our Venture class, every time we talk about Venture Christian Church, we have talked about this unashamedly, and we have lost people because of it. We have lower numbers because of it. We would have higher numbers if we wouldn't talk about this. For a fact, people have told me, I will not go because of that. We tell people we want 100% participation. We want everybody getting their hands in on their faith. Are you with me? I know you're with me because you're here. You better say amen. There we go. We want you getting involved somehow. Because faith without works is, it's not faith. We're putting on an event once we do it the other way. And you can have large events. Have you seen the large events, the large Christian? You can have big buildings, big places. That's what you go to. But we want our faith to be real. And so we have unashamedly said we want 100% participation. That's one way you can plant yourself is grab me after the service. If you're not planted in that way, say, Nathan, just tell me where you want me to help. Tell me where I can help this church. Because if you seriously think you can fight off the devil's schemes by being isolated, that is extreme arrogance. If you think you can fight him by yourself, if you think 
that you can give more in a month to coffee than you do to the mission of Christ. And you think you're going to flourish? If you think you're going to spend more time reading Instagram than you do the Word of God in a month, and you think you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, you are mistaken. And I mean this so much that adventure is not the place for you to get connected. I will find you a place to get connected. I will sit down and we will drive you to places and we will find a church where you can get planted because it is that important to your faith that you plant yourself in the house of the Lord. And so I just want to give you two words this morning. It's time. If you're just an attender, it's time to get planted. If you're a popper inner, popper outer, it's time today to get planted. If you've never been immersed and you've been sprinkled as a baby maybe and your parents made that decision, but you've never been immersed into Christ where it was your own decision, let me just tell you these two words. It's time. This last Sunday, we had Evelyn Bentley grab me right after the church service. She grabbed my arm and said, in paraphrase, it's time for me to be immersed. And it was real and she was convicted and she wanted to do it. And this is what we did Monday morning. Take a look at this. So, Evelyn, I'm going to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Yes. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. Amen. So, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We never want to say we go to church. We want to teach our kids that we are planted in the house of the Lord. Who flourishes? Those who plant themselves in the house of God. We end with how we began. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and the instruction that it gives us. Thank you for teaching us and guiding us and directing us uh, through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God. We treasure it, and we treasure our time, like this morning, where we can spend a few minutes opening up Psalm 92 and learning how to flourish spiritually. Father, it is our heart's desire to be a church that does not just pop in, that does not just attend, but we want our faith to be real. One of the largest criticisms in our culture here today is that Christians' faith isn't real, but we don't want to be that group. We want to dive in, and we want to plant ourselves deep. And Father, we believe your promise that there will be fruit when each one of us does that. I pray that you bring us all back next week safely in Jesus' name. Amen.